The Human Race is proudly brought to you by Alivet. Support babies' healthy development at every stage. The Human Race podcast discusses subjects that will be upsetting for some, including infertility, miscarriage and stillbirth. Support is available. Check the show description for details. Kia ora and welcome to The Human Race, a podcast about those who are in the race of their lives to create a life. My name's Nadine Higgins. I'm a broadcaster, a journalist, and for the past four years and counting, I've been trying to make a baby with my husband. That's me. I'm Dan. And we reckon infertility is lonely enough without making it a dirty little secret. So we wanted to bring you stories from those people that have been through it. So even if you don't want to talk about it, maybe those stories can give you hope, or at the very least, make you feel a little less alone. This is a collab podcast between Stuff and Wabi Sabi Media. In 2019, Shortland Street resident Dr Harper Whitley gave birth to a baby boy called Billy. Viewers of New Zealand's favourite soap weren't to know that actress Rhea Vandivis was acting out a role she'd expected to be experiencing for real in lockstep with her character. Instead, she gritted her teeth and gave birth on screen just months after losing her own longed-for baby. Rhea and her husband Chris, also known as Crashy, are our very good friends and explored every possibility and avenue to improve the chances of having a child over six long years. Rhea joins us now to talk about the journey. Kia ora. Kia ora. Kia ora, you two. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for being here. So Rhea, you are one of the only people I kind of know with a big public profile other than Nadine that is comfortable about getting out there and talking about fertility in the open, because lots of people don't like to talk about it. Yeah, which, I don't know, I find to be kind of strange. It's just this taboo, but it's nothing to be ashamed of, and it is so common. Um, Yeah, so I I didn't really want to suffer in silence and felt like, you know, I I wanted to tell my story. And I love that you have too, Nutty. Yeah, well, I mean, you're right, it's so lonely. And and for you, so long, six years mm. trying to have a baby, when it wasn't working for you naturally, did you have any idea as to why? Yeah, well, before I met Chris, Crashy, um, I was living in Sydney and I'd stopped taking the contraceptive pill, um, not for any particular reason, just because I wanted to stop taking it. And I didn't get a period for two and a half years after that. And so we started kind of doing some investigations to figure out why that might be. And the um, hospital in Sydney told me that I had polycystic ovarian syndrome. And it was this very blunt, abrasive doctor who I had, you know, had not seen before who delivered the news to me like one morning before I was going off to set. It's just like, you have this, you'll probably never have a natural period again, and you'll probably never have a baby. I was like, oh, she's like, okay, see ya. Great bedside banner. Yeah, it was shocking, actually. Um, and so how old was I then? Like, in my mid-twenties. My um, jaw is on the floor. How can you deliver news like that so casually? I know. And it was a woman as well. I don't know. Just Anyway, I was devastated um, and then uh, was recommended to see this naturopath who had also been diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, and she had got her periods back and also had two children so she was just like, it's not, you know, not all hope is lost. Um, try this, so, you know, potions and all sorts. And then a, a diet, which was pretty much just fish and vegetables. Incredibly healthy. Wow. Um, but six weeks later, literally six weeks later, I 
got a period again and got it regularly. Wow. So I kind of thought, solve that problem. Yeah. yeah. Kid, and, kids are back on the agenda. Yeah, they're back on the agenda now. I just need a husband. Um, <laughs> anyway, found and a husband. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so then we, you know, started trying to have a baby and it just wasn't working after months and months and months. Um, I actually can't remember how long it was, but it was quite a while after, you know, since we'd started trying that we went to seek professional help because we actually didn't have to wait that long to get on the public list um, because we'd been trying for so long, if that makes sense. But initially, you know, we thought it was me maybe because of what they told me in Sydney, but then, you know, I had that ruled out here. I do also have endometriosis, which, you know, can play a part. But then Chris had his semen analysed and um, they were ugly. (laughs) Is that a technical term? That's what the doctor said. Really? Yeah, we were on a road trip. We were driving. I can't remember. We were driving down to Topo or something. And the phone rang. We were like, oh, my God, we're expecting the, the results. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> I think I was, you know, I was driving. They rang my phone and Chris answered it. And then they were like, oh, actually, Chris, we want to talk to you. He put it on speaker. And he was like, yeah, your sperm, they're just incredibly ugly. <laughs> Like, you know, he sort of described it like they were chasing, you know, chasing their own tails and they had like multiple heads and just like. You hear Dan's sharp intake of breath because I think he recognises it's, it's a blow to your manhood when I, someone yeah, says something yeah. Totally. Like yeah, well, yeah. I had a, like a blockage in the vein in my ball bag and so I had surgery and got that clear. Through your neck? Yeah, through my neck, which what was the, the weirdest thing in the world. Um, but then, then I did that and then I had to give another sample and the doctor, we went, we went and saw the doctor, and she's like, great sperm. With, with like a, and a thumbs up, and I was like, yes, I'm back. Yes, back, baby. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, men can can affect their sperm, you know? So Chris went from having, like, super ugly sperm to, like, very handsome sperm and, like, not too, you know. <laughs> beautiful A-grade. Yeah, beautiful A-grade sexy sperm by doing simple things like not going in the spa pool and not wearing tight undies. And, you know, not drinking and doing all sorts of other things. Doing all the things that you females have to do. like Exactly. Sacrifice, not I think it's called. Not so easy <laughs> when it comes to eggs, right? Not so easy when it comes to eggs. We're, we are born with all of the eggs we will ever have. If you have a – how does it work? If you have a daughter, then in your body are all of the eggs that your granddaughter will ever have. <gasps> It's like a Bushka doll thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, women can't really do much to if your eggs are shit. Your eggs are a bit shit. And sadly, my eggs are a bit shit. So he made some lifestyle changes. You're waiting for IVF to start, and then you kind of get a bit of a surprise. Yeah, we did get a bit of a surprise. We fell pregnant naturally, which was a huge shock. Because it had been so long and we'd basically, we'd, we'd kind of realised by that point that it was probably my eggs. Um, so it was a huge surprise. Um, it's like a miracle to all of a sudden. Total miracle. I remember the day I found, I was at work at Shortland Street and I went and, and did a pregnancy test in the toilet. I can't, I must, my period must have been late. I didn't feel different or anything. Um, and it was the, the day of the TV awards. So I had to go straight from work to the TV awards. And I kind of did it <laughs> that morning or whatever. And like 
rang Chris. Didn't even get to see Chris. It was just like giddy with like, what the hell? Hey, it's me. Guess yeah, what? Guess what? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I went and sat through those awards and then quickly went home and like. Which oh, are normally what? a boozy affair, right? So yeah. you would have been like, oh, no, no, not for me. Not for me. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was wildly exciting. And it coincided with the fact that my character on Shortland Street was also pregnant recently. So it was like, oh, my God, this is so serendipitous. serendipitous. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, for a while that was pretty awesome. So did they write that in or was that just a complete coincidence? It was a complete coincidence. Wow. How amazing. Yeah. That show often imitates life. It's pretty weird. <laughs> <laughs> at, the, at this point, you're, you guys are excited going, oh, my God, this is amazing. But then that didn't go down the road you wanted it to go. When did you kind of start getting that feeling things weren't quite right? Well, we... We went to our seven-week dating scan, saw the heartbeat. You know, that was oh. all lovely. Then it starts to get real. Yeah, so real. And I think, yeah, it really does start to get real. And I think Chris was a little bit detached from it all because it's, you know, it's not, as a guy, Dan, you know, it's like it's not your body. So you're yeah. like maybe a bit less invested or something. But it in just, that scan, he was just like, holy hell, like that is cool. Kind of blows your mind, yeah? Yeah. Because at that early stage, like I'm – Little, I'm always like a little bit like, is it a real thing? Is it? A, it's just a know? clump of is cells. It, yeah, what's yeah. That, what is it? Yeah. Well, it's a clump of cells that was pulsating. So yeah, that was pretty cool, and everything was kind of fine. We went along. We were over on Waiheke Island <clears throat> the week of our twelve-week scan, so didn't quite make it to that. Mm-hmm. Had it booked in for like the Tuesday of my 13th week. And then on the Saturday night beforehand, we were out for dinner with some friends and I had a little bit of cramping and I went to the bathroom and had a little bit of spotting. Started freaking out as, you know. As you would. As you would, especially me. Um, And then, yeah, rang my sister who was at med school at the time. I was like, oh my God, this is happening. What do you think I should do? She said, just don't panic, you know go to bed, try and get some sleep and, you know, see how things are in the morning. And things kind of progressed. I mean, there wasn't a lot of blood or anything, but I was quite crampy through the night. And the next morning she just said, I think just for your peace of mind, you should go to the hospital. But I'm sure it's fine, but just go to the hospital. So we went back to Auckland and went to Waitakere Hospital, actually. Sat in the waiting room there for most of the day. Yeah. While people um, are like, is that that girl from Sean Street? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Luckily no one asked me for oh, any good. medical help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, then they finally saw me and um, said, they had. I mean, they had pretty crude kind of scanning devices there. So they were like, we can't tell you with absolute certainty that there's no heartbeat, but we're pretty sure that there's no heartbeat and that you are losing the baby. Um, but they were like, so just go home. So they just sent me home. Wow. Like- and I was just like, um, I, ugh, I just felt like I was completely uninformed about anything. So they just cut you loose to just go yeah. let nature take its course. Yeah. Wow. Which, I mean, I don't know what the actual protocol is, but I have since spoken to people and they're like, that probably shouldn't have happened. Blows my mind. Um, but so, yeah, I went home and just over the next couple of days, nature kind of took its course and really, really painful, like period pain times 
just extreme period pain um, and just cramps and sort of over the toilet and, yeah, past the poor little thingy. Mm. It's just devastating. Yeah, it was. Just devastating. It was pretty shit. Yeah. And yet at the same time, your character's pregnant. Yeah. So you have to go to work each day and what? Strap on a belly. Strap on a belly. Yeah. A belly that just got progressively bigger over the next few months. And What does that do to your mental state? I don't know. It, <laughs> it wasn't easy. I can and imagine. I, um, <laughs> yeah, I think I just, I mean, I had to get pretty good at compartmentalizing stuff and yeah. just kind of going like, which actually, you know, you should do anyway, but it's hard to not bring whatever work you do home, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, it was a pretty bizarre and not so great time emotionally I would say yeah you kind of had to almost dissociate when it came to the giving birth bit oh yeah oh yeah luckily there were characters like um Jen Ludlam's Leanne there to kind of lighten the mood (laughs) 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 with the crystals and whatnot (laughs) (laughs) every workplace needs one of those um yeah so that was yeah it was incredibly difficult but Made, you you're know. made a tough stuff, Ria. Yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I am. then IVF starts for you and Crashy, um, and putting all your hope in science. Um, yeah. And so tell us about the first two, two rounds. Was it? We did three rounds with um, my ex. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, actually, well, the first time, the first round that we did, I was completely unprepared for the outcome, which was that I had no eggs to harvest. Like at no point did any doctor say to me that is a possibility. So it was just not anything that I had even remotely considered. So that was, it really blindsided me. Mm. Um, Yeah, so I went through all the stimulation and then, you know, you go, as you know, you go and have your scans to see how things are developing. And they were like, it's not looking so good. And then... um, yeah, got to the kind of the end of the stimulation. They were like, there is actually nothing for us to attempt to even grab. And you just think science is going to have the answers. So that must have just completely knocked you sideways. It really did. It really did. I, I, I mean, I, did, did anyone explain to you that that was a possibility when Never. you started? No. Yeah. They're just like, we're, we're going to have a look and see what the follicles are doing. Then we're going to harvest the eggs. Then we're going yeah. to fertilize them. And then they go... There is a possibility that the follicles do nothing and there are no eggs. Yeah, because it can't yeah. be nice to have the bit of a heads up about that, right? Yeah, so you're totally. Not, so you're not lying there with your legs in the egg and going, and like, yeah, nothing here. <laughs> yeah, Thanks nothing for trying. Here. Nothing to see here. Yeah, so that was that was a real shock and that, yeah, just. And so then what do you change for round two? Well, Everything. (laughs) Tried everything. I I mean, I feel like I tried everything. Just tried to be the healthiest person I could be. You know, read all these books and didn't touch receipts. And did you do that? Yeah, I've started doing that. I didn't initially. But I mean, when I I don't want to put too fine a point on it, but you did all of the things. And some of the things you did, I feel like I need to ask you about. (laughs) (laughs) What is vaginal steaming? And what is it supposed to do? Okay. <laughs> Vaginal steaming. 
It's a little bit woo-woo, <laughs> but when you're desperate, you're desperate. You try Um So it's like a, imagine like a toilet seat that instead of having like a bowl of cold water underneath it has got a little pot of boiling water that is filled with like herbs and things. Okay. Um, and so, you know, they pop this pot in a little, like latch little cupboard, pop it in there, you pop your little fanny on top. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful you don't get burned. I was going to say, does it, does it get too steamy? Steam is hot. <laughs> um, yeah, so, some, you know, you have to sometimes get up and, like, pace around the room a little bit if it's getting a Let little cool intense. Let it cool down. <laughs> but it's supposed to, oh God, I don't know, it's supposed to sort of just, like, clean all of the mucusy stuff out, which, you know, some people say is actually really important to have. So... <laughs> Who knows? It feels like something Gwyneth Paltrow would sell you. Yeah, she probably would. She probably would. Right. Well, one another thing that I did do was a lipiodal flush, which is actually based in medicine, Um, and that's when they put like poppy seed oil up into your fallopian tubes and kind of shunk it around, (laughs) Um, just to make sure that everything's kind of functioning properly, and they flush through. And apparently. I mean, I was kind of part of a study for that, but oh, apparently wow. it has, um, I think it's a Kiwi guy that's pioneered it over the last kind of 20 years, but apparently there is some success with helping improve people's fertility afterwards. But Did, it, did got, it make any difference in the next round? In the next round, I mean, who knows? I tried a different, like, drug protocol, so who kn- that might have made the difference. But also I think, like, I maybe got, like, too healthy? I lost too much weight. I was too – you need a bit of something on your body, I think. Mm. And I just I, – I can become an obsessive person, and I, that is not healthy for anything. So – I just kind of get always – I keep getting frustrated. I keep saying it to Nadine that you try these things like you're saying, maybe you did too much of this thing or not enough of that. And there's no – I feel like it's all science-based, but they, no they, don't have a, they don't have an answer. They're like – Every woman's body's different. Yeah. Yeah. It, it might help, <laughs> but then again, it, it might, might not. not. <laughs> it's just unexplained fertility. Oh, yeah. oh the worst like, phrase in the, the world. Diagnosis? You're like, and then, Explain and, it to me. <laughs> and then they're like, uh, check or savings. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the next round, I think you get two. Well, yeah, so two eggs. After, after that first round where I got no eggs, because my body was technically like primed with all of the drugs, even though there were no eggs there to be harvested, or maybe there was like one follicle and they were like, but it's just not worth it. Mm. Um, I tried IUI, mm-hmm. which is like artificial insemination, basically. So they just inseminated me with a. They just put the semen up near the egg. Yes. Right? With like a big and eye I dropper hope kind that of thing. the two of them will find each other. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then they sort of encourage, around that time, they sort of like, have lots of sex, mm. all that kind the of stuff. The most romantic kind. The most romantic kind. Schedule Chris sex. Chris really liked that it was like prescribed by the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> you um, have to put out yeah. tonight, yeah, the exactly. doctor yeah. said. But it did actually mean that he missed the funeral of one of his friend's mums <gasps> because he was like, I can't, I can't leave. We've got to have sex. Mm. We've got to have sex. He took he's his, a, ta- his job a, very seriously. for the rules, is it, <laughs> He is. He's like, can I have that in writing? Um, but, yeah, no, that didn't work either. But we just, you know, put it on the credit card. Um, but, yeah, so the next round, I think we got 
two eggs and then neither of them fertilized. Oh, so slightly further along the slightly, process. Slightly, like just still not there. incrementally so, but just, yeah, so really, really gutting, as you know. Um, and then the third round we tried, I stopped all of the mad, you know, health stuff. In fact, we went we went <laughs> no. to Wellington together the weekend before, yeah. didn't we? We had a yeah, we, um, rather fun time. Rather fun time. <laughs> Some people think when they start trying for a baby, bam, they'll fall pregnant. But for others, it can take years. They give everything a shot. Surgery, tests, Drugs, specialists, switching up lifestyle choices can help, and this goes for guys too. The journey sperm undertake on their way to fertilise an egg has been likened to a human trying to swim thousands of kilometres. So it's obvious why it's essential to create a healthy environment for sperm production. Menovit is a male fertility supplement specifically formulated to support sperm health and motility. Made with a unique mix of antioxidants, it provides support during the conception journey, along with a healthy lifestyle. Menovit is available at leading pharmacies. For more information, head to elevit.co.nz. Kia ora, Aotearoa, and welcome to The Big Stuff Quiz. I'm your host, Imogen Wells, alongside my assistant, the wonderful... Hello, everyone. Each week, we'll release a new episode to test your wits with two rounds of ten questions. One potluck round and another that's very loosely themed. A bit tangential, even. Such a good word. If you think you're up for the challenge, go and follow our show on your favourite podcast platform, The Big Stuff Quiz, is out now. The Big Stuff Quiz is proudly brought to you by Melbourne. Every bit different. At what point did you start to think, okay, maybe my eggs are not going to get us there. We need to look at other options. I think after, I mean, I think from the first round, really, it wasn't looking great. And the doctors kind of led me to believe that, you know, trying a different stimulation method might have a big impact. And so when it didn't, I think I was kind of like, yeah, it's it's probably not going to happen. He, they recommended, you know, that we try egg, egg donation. They said we could have tried another round with my eggs and might have got lucky. Um, but, but it's pretty emotionally taxing, isn't it? It really is. So we did the third round we did with my eggs. We got one, and we may have got more than one egg, but only but then one fertilized. So we got one embryo, and then that, you know, we implanted that, but that didn't stick. Hmm. How do you just keep going through all of that? I don't know, just head down, head down, bum up, keep going. Try not to think about it too much. We we got to a point, well, I guess we had to, where we were just like, this, this cannot define us and our life is good and fine if this doesn't happen for us. You've got to be pragmatic, I think, and it wasn't looking like it was going to work. So, yeah, we um, yeah we were advised to go down the egg donation mm-hmm. route. Mm. And so, at what point do your sisters say, 
I want to help you. Yeah. Um, so actually my sister Zena was the first one to put her hand up. Um, and she is just a couple of years younger than me. She had a son of her own at the time. Um, and yeah, so we, we kind of looked into that, but she got her AMH levels tested as well, which is sort of part of the initial screening kind of thing. And her levels were really low, um, which was a surprise to her. And so they were like, you're not the candidate for it. Um, which was really gutting. Yeah. But then really devastated for her because she wants to help so much as well. Yeah, totally. Luckily it hasn't affected her fertility mm -hmm. in any way. It's so weird. Like, why is that a thing? Yeah. Then she, you know, like tried to have her second baby and just got pregnant immediately. That's you know? the most confusing thing in the I world is it. how it works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're here, right? Yeah. yeah. Um but yeah, then my sister Lottie, beautiful Lottie, um, she volunteered her eggs too, even though she doesn't have kids of her own yet and she just really wanted to help. So I'm very lucky. So you've got these beautiful, healthy embryos on ice. You're about to have the transfer and you must have been feeling so hopeful. But then the universe just delivers you this one more curveball. Yeah, just because I needed another one. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened? Well, I was at the GP for some reason and he noticed that my glands were up slightly. And, I mean, I wasn't feeling unwell, um, but he was like, he knew I was about to do an embryo transfer and he was like, let's just, I'm sure it's nothing, but let's just test and make sure that you don't have toxoplasmosis, um, which is, you know, pretty fine if you are not trying to have a baby. Um, but it can, uh, I think, cause like brain defects if Ooh. you are pregnant. Um, and sure enough, I had it. Oh, my goodness. Who knows how or why, um, but yeah, so that meant I had to delay it for another six months. Oh, so just at the end of a very long journey, yes, just add another, another six months. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, if you, if you don't laugh, you cry. And I just kind of went, the universe is telling me something. The time hasn't been right yet. You know, you just kind of got to look at it that way. That's very philosophical. Mm. You've got to be like that though, I think. Yeah, well, you go crazy otherwise, right? Yeah. Just go down a dark yeah. hole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did it, um, did it take much getting your head around not using your eggs and then using Lottie's? Yeah, it did. Um, well, to be, like, to be honest, I wanted a baby so much that for me, I came around to it quite quickly. Mm. I think for Chris, it took a little longer. Um, the fact that, you know, I have very similar DNA to my sister's was also a bonus. But, you know, I've since learnt that even if you, you have no DNA in common with your egg donor, your baby is still likely to have, you know, your traits because of epigenetics and all that kind of stuff. It's quite amazing. Well, it's lived inside you for Yeah, and well, it's been gro grown by your flesh and blood mm. and, yeah, which makes perfect sense, really. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there was a whole lot of counselling that you have to go through, um, I guess my initial kind of fear, which was completely unfounded, was that Lottie would have some sort of like ownership over any baby that was born if it was, but it's absolutely not like that. And yeah, it's, she's she's an awesome auntie. Because mm. it worked. Yes, it worked. It worked. <laughs> it worked. It worked. Yeah. But I'm so interested to know that given everything you'd been through, especially with that first miscarriage, at what point after getting that positive pregnancy result 
which is, I think, what happened after the weekend in Wellington. (laughs) (laughs) Were you able to actually be like, yay, this is actually happening versus terrified that it might not stick around? Yeah, yeah. Both of those things, I think they can exist at the same time. Yeah. Um, I don't think I stopped being terrified until he was born. Oh, my gosh. But I'm a worrywart, you know me. Anxiety, anxiety, lean and lady. But yeah, no, it, the, it was it was unbelievable when we got the call to say that it had stuck because I just had psyched myself up to, you know, receive the, the call that it hadn't because we'd had that call so many times. Um, so yeah, I was in disbelief. After struggling hearing lots of people's other happy news of, you know, being pregnant and all that sort of stuff, was it hard to share your happy news? Was there trepidation around Yeah, that? massive trepidation because I'd been, in, you know, in the position of all, you know, I, 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 it's such a horrible, horrible journey that I didn't want to rub it in anyone's face mm. because... Because mm, you know what that feels yeah. like. Totally. And you always are happy for other people, but you then it's like that little... Yeah, totally. So, yes, massive trepidation. Um, But also I hoped that by sharing, like, the trials that we'd been through, that that might inspire hope for some people. You know, six years is a long time to keep at it. And, you know, if we'd given up at five years, we wouldn't have our little Ted. So keep at it. And he's so beautiful. He really is. He's, he's just over one now. Yeah, yeah. Do you still look at him and catch yourself and go, holy, you're here? Mm-hmm. I do. And it just gets better and better, honestly. Oh. Like, he's just becoming his own little person and it's just... Even though he's not sleeping at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's never really been a fan of that. (laughs) I don't know about anybody else, but I feel like, given we're in the midst of this journey, I need to hear the stories about how phenomenal it is. Because lots of people go to you, oh, well, you can have my kids, or thank goodness you didn't have kids during lockdown or whatever. And you're like, no, 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 I need you to tell me that they're a complete miracle and that all of this heartbreak is completely worth it. Honestly, Nadine, it is. (laughs) It is. You're going to get there. Yes. <laughs> You're going to yeah. get there. Sometimes yeah. I think it's like a big conspiracy, though, that, it, you know, everyone that has a child just is like, then they've got the child and they're like, oh, it's really hard work. Let's let's get another one. Let's get somebody else in here to, to have a child as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a cult. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, I think it's common for a lot of couples. You know, they deal with things differently. What sort of impact did the stress of trying to create a baby have on your relationship? Oh my God, it's been so hard. I think, even though I just said having a baby is the most amazing thing ever, (laughs) the stress on our relationship has been the greatest since he's been born. And I I mean, it just changes your life so much. But I think we kind of had um, underestimated the stress that we were under and like kind of the trauma that we'd been through for all of those years of trying to get there um and yeah when I mean now that we're now that we're there obviously having no sleep is not good for anybody um but yeah it's really it is really tough 
It's almost like you're dealing with the after effects of six years of chronic stress and then you throw in some sleep deprivation and doing this brand new job of being a parent and it's like a recipe for it to be hard. It is an absolute recipe for it to be hard and you just, you know, you're not meeting each other anymore. You're talking about like logistics and, you know, there's, it's, mm. you've got to really work to, to find the love. Well, we, we are anyway. Yeah. Is it, um, and I mean, look, guys are notoriously bad at sharing their feelings. And I mean, I'm pretty terrible at, like, when we've been going through hard times and this whole fertility thing, I sometimes run away and, and hide. And by run away and hide, I go out and drink and don't come home till late. And, <laughs> and I sit home and cry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think we've talked about how it's quite a common theme here. Um, yeah, I guess it's just, I, I do find it quite hard to. It's not that I don't want to talk about my feelings, but it's almost like I'm just caging it off. And sure, and I think um, Chris, like I, you know, I alluded to earlier, like it all kind of is happening to the woman. It's like happening to our bodies, happening to, I mean, our minds as well. And I think that Chris, I don't know, just felt a little bit sidelined some of the time, and it's understandable why, you know, they. Well, it becomes an obsession, right? You want to control all the controllables in this process where so much is out of your control yeah. that it just occupies every little corner of your brain. Yeah. Yeah, and I think he says, you know, because I was obsessing about it so much, he was like, one of us had to kind of not. Mm. Um, yeah, no, it's been very hard. Yeah. But I, but I feel like we're finding our way back to each other now. That's so good. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. it's so good. Yeah. yeah. And so you've, you've got Teddy now, so you've got your happy ending story. What a happy ending. I know during those um, years, it was really tough. And currently, for, for us, you know, we're going through that. And sometimes the happy ending doesn't seem like it is in sight or will be there. How, how, do you, how do you stay hopeful and ride that roller coaster? Um, I don't As, know. I don't asking know that for we, a friend. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> I don't know that we. I mean, there was an element of hope, of course, but sometimes I feel like we just kind of expected that we were never going to get there. You just lower your expectations massively. But if you think you're never going to get there, what makes you keep, you know, injecting yourself and sacrificing things and shelling out cash? Yeah. I guess it's just, you know, hoping for the best but preparing for the worst, you know? Because it's completely out of your control. It's like it's it's largely a luck thing, right? It seems, and there's nothing you can do. No matter what, you can work as hard as you want at anything. You think there's nothing you can do to, to help. It does feel like a lottery. It's a lottery. Yeah, it's a lottery. So. We've reached the finish line of the human race, and at this point, <laughs> we ask all of our guests the same four questions, um, just to find out a few of the nuggets that you might have gleaned over a really long, hard period. Mm-hmm. So question one, and I love this one because I've got a lot of answers for it. Mm-hmm. People love to try and be helpful when you're struggling to conceive. And maybe if they've managed to conceive themselves, they consider themselves experts. So I'm kind of keen to know, what is the worst thing that someone said to you during the fertility process or the most unhelpful piece of advice? Oh, gosh, there's probably heaps of them. Um, 
everyone just always tells you just just to relax, <laughs> you know, just relax, just forget about it, put it out of your mind, and it'll happen. It's like no, it won't. There's something medically going wrong here. Um, yeah, that wound me up so much, and I feel like everybody said that. Mm. What What about you? Um, someone once said to me, "Are you having lots of sex?" <laughs> and I was like. Oh shit! Is that how babies are made? Why didn't someone mention it? Someone said to me once, oh, "Kids really aren't all they're cracked up to be." Oh, oh just give up now. They're really yeah. awful. You have to change yeah. nappies and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> oh, the horrible ones. Oh, someone else also said, "Maybe you're just too busy," and I was like, "Thanks." That's also not helpful because I have to earn a living. So and now you make me feel bad for having yeah. a job and doing. Oh my god! Is it my fault? It's my business. I already feel like it's my fault. Yeah. <laughs> right. Question two: What's the number one thing you'd say to someone who's struggling with the journey right now, um, and perhaps you wish you'd known on the outset? I would just say, don't give up. Um. Try and stay happy. Keep lines of communication open with your partner is really important. And ask for help. Tell people, you know, if you're, if you're struggling, speak up because it can be super, super lonely and you don't want to do it alone. I didn't want to do it alone. Yeah. I needed my friends. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing advice. What about what you would tell someone who is supporting someone like you to go through the process? A lot of people don't know. This is question three, by the way. Um, <laughs> what would you say to someone who is supporting someone going through the process? Don't tell them to relax. Don't <laughs> <laughs> tell them to relax and it'll just happen. Um, yeah, look, just, just, just be there. Be an ear and a shoulder, you know? And less of the trite advice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's that simple. Question four. Now, lots of the process, super heartbreaking, obviously, and there can be lots of awkward bits that go along when um, you're doing things, and funny bits as well. Um, any memorable, hilarious moments that Crashy or you had? Um, look. Crashy has lots of tales to tell. <laughs> <laughs> the little manila folders in the masturbation chambers. <laughs> masturbation chambers. I think they've stopped providing those since COVID. He'll be very oh, disappointed to know. Have they? Yeah. BYO device. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the rushing across town with a little specimen jar of semen in your armpit to try and keep it the right temperature. Oh, God. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I didn't find much of it very funny, to be honest. <laughs> You're like, I'm in the trenches. I'm, I'm in the working trenches. Away here. Yeah. Yeah. What, what it's, you... it's easier probably to find it hilarious when your job is to jerk off in a, in a, off in, <laughs> in a room with room. a manila folder. Of, there's, a lot, there's a lot of pressure on, you know. You don't know if you, you don't want to come out of the room too soon. You don't want to be in there too long. You don't want to see the same nurse you've seen before. No. <laughs> One of my funny moments was the drugs they gave me the first time I had an egg extraction. I'd been told they were really good, and I actually quite like going under a general anaesthetic yeah, because it's. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to sound like a druggie, but it's a good time. And uh, someone had said, I think that you don't form memories. And so I was like, I'm definitely going to remember this. And I said to the nurse, who knows why, um, You've given me truth serum. Ask, <laughs> ask me anything. <laughs> Dan Higgins doing an AMA. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Dan was like, shh, 
Enough out of you. You got to look for the humour where you can find it. Absolutely. Look, thank you so much for being so honest and open. I think it's so brave of you. You know, you've got such a high profile. It's so powerful to show people that there's hope. And I've certainly taken a lot of hope from your journey. So thank you. And we love you lots. It's my pleasure. Love you too. And I'm here for you. Thank Thank you. you. (laughs) Get there. (laughs) Love you guys. You've been listening to The Human Race, a podcast from Wabi Sabi Media and Stuff. Follow the show on Apple, Spotify or any other podcast app. And please leave a review. It helps other people discover this important content. You can also listen at stuff.co.nz slash thehumanrace. We'd also love to hear from you. Email thehumanrace at stuff.co.nz and follow us at facebook.com slash thehumanracenz or on Insta at thehumanracenz. The Human Race was produced by me, Dan Higgins. And me, Nadine Higgins. Audio editing and mixing by John Ropeha. The associate producer was Jen Black. And executive producer was Chris Reed. Thanks very much for listening. That was The Human Race, which was proudly brought to you by Alibit. Support babies' healthy development at every stage. Always read the label, follow the directions for use. Vitamin and mineral supplements are not a substitute for a balanced diet. If you have a baby with a neurotube defect or spina bifida, seek specific medical advice. Bayer New Zealand Limited, Auckland. Most GP practices in New Zealand are closed to new patients. What do people do if they can't see a GP? It's a real concern. A lot of people end up in the emergency department. We know those are overrun and we know that many, many people are turning up with conditions which really should be treated in primary care. We really need to look at the funding. We need to look at how that is distributed because we know if more money is put into primary health care, then we're, we're actually stopping people going to hospital. For everything that's worth talking about, find and follow Newsable wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>